Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, to my podcast listeners, I'm certain that some of you probably have noticed that uh, I changed the title of my uh, channel name from Extraterrestrial Reality to UFO-Extraterrestrial Reality. I did this because this will make it easier for people to find my podcast. I mean, most people, let's face it, who are searching uh, about for podcasts that talk about aliens, extraterrestrials, uh, they're going to type in the word UFO, okay, the acronym UFO. And so this hopefully will make it easier for people to find my channel so uh, more ears could hear my message. So nothing changes uh, except the, the title. I, that's the only reason I change it. I'm just letting you guys know. Anyway, uh, I'm going to talk about an article here uh, with regard to the recent news that there was an amendment uh, to give whistleblowers immunity uh, in reporting what they know about UFOs to the Congress. And the House has now passed that amendment, uh, and it's part of the Defense Authorization Act bill. Uh, now, the whole that whole bill hasn't been passed yet. The amendment has been uh, approved with no comment, basically. Uh, and now, when, when that Defense Authorization Act bill is uh, approved by the House completely, then it goes on to the Senate, and then the Senate approves it, and then the President will sign off on it. But it doesn't look like anything's going to stop this uh, from moving forward now. And anyway, here's an article from Politico that states, uh, actually the headline says, House votes to make it easier to report UFOs. And it also has a co some comments in there from Lou Elizondo, the former ATIP director, who says, uh, quote, this legislation may open the floodgates. Okay, so let's go through this article here a little bit. It says, the House on Wednesday voted to create a secure government system for reporting UFOs and to compel current and former officials to reveal what they might know about the mysterious phenomena by promising to protect them from reprisal. The bipartisan amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act passed by voice vote without debate is part of an aggressive effort to exert more oversight over an enduring intelligence-gathering challenge that has gained more attention in recent years. It was re re proposed by Representatives Mike Gallagher and Ruben Gallego, who have been among a vocal bipartisan block of lawmakers pressing Pentagon and intelligence officials to take the issue more seriously and to be more transparent with Congress and the American people. Gallagher couched the effort in national security terms, saying his, quote, primary interest is to ensure that our military and intelligence community are armed with the best possible information, capital, and scientific resources to defeat our enemies and maintain military and technology superiority. But he also wants, quote, to further Congress's ability to fact gather and further prove or disprove the origin and threat nature of whatever seems to be flying in our skies. I believe it's possible that folks may be precluded from being fully transparent with Congress due to their being bound by non-disclosure agreements, Gallagher added in a statement to Politico. If that's true, I want to make sure that there's no technical reason preventing them from speaking to us. The amendment would require a dedicated internal reporting system for the, quote, immediate sharing, end quote, of information related to unidentified aerial phenomena, or UAP, previously prohibited from reporting under any non-disclosure written or oral agreement or order. 
The measure is aimed at current and former military personnel, government civilians, and contractors. The amnesty provision covers any event related to unidentified aerial phenomena, as well as any government or government contractor activity or program related to unidentified aerial phenomena. It makes an exception for data that officials conclude reveals objects that might be part of top-secret U.S. programs that only very few are privy to, or events that likely relate to a special access program or compartmented access program okay let's just stop there for a minute so basically so if there's any ufos out there that might be of you know created you know terrestrially per se right and they're they're part of some top secret uh, program okay they can't talk about that but it doesn't say anything about extraterrestrials so anything that's extraterrestrial that anybody in the pentagon knows about that means hey you know you could you could talk about it all you want. There's not going to be any uh, uh, any consequences. Anyway, continuing with the article, the bill would also require the DOD Inspector General one year after final passage to conduct an independent assessment of compliance with the provision and efficacy of the system established. Congress in recent years has mandated that the Pentagon and intelligence agencies more aggressively investigate UFOs including unexplained sightings of highly advanced aircraft violating protected military airspace, some appearing to defy known aerodynamics. Following a series of bills, the Pentagon has set up the Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group to collect and analyze more reports. But at the first public hearing on UFOs in more than 50 years in May, lawmakers expressed frustration that the Pentagon effort is not robust enough. Officials have also complained that the national security agencies have more information that is not being reported up the chain or shared with Congress. Luis Elizondo, the former Pentagon official who spent who went public in 2017, asserting a lack of concern among top leaders, called the Gallagher-Gallego Amendment, quote, one of the greatest efforts in recent history to foster transparency on this topic. This legislation may open the floodgates, added Elizondo, who is now a consultant to the United States Space Command on UAP. The House is set to continue debating amendments to the defense bill with the aim of passing it by the end of the week. Final legislation will have to be reconciled with the Senate's version this year. Uh, and then it says here later on, Elizondo said he has been briefed by congressional staffers who say UFO amnesty language is also being drafted in the Senate. So... There is an effort ongoing, and again, this will, of course, uh, any kind of secret UFO, any kind of UFOs that has uh, uh, been developed, you know, by human beings, by the, uh, by contractors working for the government, by the government itself. Okay, you got, you can't talk about that. You can't. There's gonna, there's no whistleblower protection for that. But it doesn't say anything about extraterrestrial. So, with that in mind, does this mean when this passes that people like Luis Elizondo will will have no problem just telling everything they know about what they know about extraterrestrials? Uh, I would hope, right? You would think. You know, this means that somebody within the Pentagon uh, who has for years known about uh, that some of these objects are, in fact, uh, interplanetary. They could step forward and they're not going to be, you know, shot in the head. You know, so I, I would hope that, uh, you know, people, including most, you know, Luis Elizondo, he like he he's always dancing through the raindrops on this a lot of times. He'll, he'll he he comes tantalizingly close, but he just never comes fully, you know, comes out totally, you know, to tell us what he actually knows. He says, oh, I can't go this far. I can't go. I can't tell you that. I can't tell you this. Right. 
I mean, but he has come close. But I would hope that, you know, once this goes through, which it looks like it will, I don't see any reason why it won't now, uh, you know, eventually the House will pass this, then the Senate will pass it. Uh, maybe there'll be a little bit of changes to it, who knows. Maybe somebody in the Pentagon will try to come in to talk to people in the Congress, tell, try to tell them you can't do this. I hope not, but you never know. But say it goes through, then you're going to start seeing people coming forward. And uh, you would hope, hey, because they have nothing to worry about. You know, there's not going to be any repercussions. You're not going to get arrested. Uh, those non-disclosure agreements, they're, they're not going to count. Because, again, this isn't saying you can It doesn't say here that you can't. If it's extraterrestrial, that means, hey, you could, you know, that opens the floodgates. You, you know, if you know, so, if you're in the Pentagon, if you're somebody in the Pentagon that is, Working on uh, working in some sort of program that that is studying extraterrestrial craft or uh, has access to uh, image, video, whatever pictures of the actual occupants themselves. Right, that means that once this passes, you can step forward and not worried about uh, spending the rest of your life in some dark prison somewhere or you know having your existence erased. You know. Uh, you should be able to come forward then and and tell the the American people, the entire human race, the truth about what's going on and what's been being kept secret for all these years. You know, we're not a bunch of babies, okay? But anyway, it'd be nice because again, again, this should be really helpful to someone like Lou Elizondo. You would think too, because again, he's someone that you know he he's dying to tell. It seems like he is. He's he's dying to tell us everything he knows. He has to, you know, he can't do it though because of these uh, uh, non-disclosure agreements and, and and other things. So, but this would eliminate that. Anything that Louis Luis knows about extraterrestrials, he should be able to come forward and and talk freely about it once this passes. So you know. It should be before the end of the year. Here it looks like, uh, and that that would be that would be totally awesome. We, we that means by the end of this year, we should we should have more information from government officials or former government officials like Elizondo, uh, uh, with regard to the reality. The reality, folks, that the planet is being visited by extraterrestrial beings. There is an extraterrestrial presence on Earth. Although some of us know this, a lot of us don't. It's time to, uh, uh, you know break that barrier okay we're going to take a quick break and we shall be right back this episode is brought to you by visit williamsburg in williamsburg virginia there's never too much of a good thing whether you're a foodie a golfer a history buff a shopaholic an outdoor enthusiast or a thrill seeker you'll find what you came for here and more so ask yourself what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Okay, we're back. Um, I want to talk about close encounters. Uh, close encounters of the first kind, close encounters of the second kind, close encounters of the third kind, close encounters of the fourth kind, and cl- close encounters of the fifth kind. Now, the first three kinds were actually, the, the close encounters of the first kind, second kind, and third kind, 
that was uh, a, a scale that was basically invented by UFO researcher J. Allen Hynek uh, in, in the early 70s. Uh, he was somebody that uh, he worked for Pro- Project Blue Book. He was a scientific consultant for the United States government's Project Blue Book from the 1950s all the way to 1969 till when Blue Book was, was shut down. Um, and he, he, this guy, Heineck, he started off, as a lot of you know, he started off as a skeptic. Uh, he just, you know, but as time went on, he came to believe that something's going on. And uh, anyway, he developed a scale uh to determine what uh you know what what each encounter would uh, w- w- uh where on this scale would would a certain specific encounter uh fall on uh and the for close encounters of the first kind was it's a visual sighting of an unidentified flying object seemingly less than 500 feet or 150 meters away that show an appreciable angular extension and considerable detail uh, I had a close encounter of the first kind in 1994, um, August 1994 to be precise. I've talked about that numerous times when I was on a fishing trip and uh, uh, a buddy called me up. He said he wanted to go fishing. Uh, he, he got permission to go into this. Uh, it was a private lake, you know, a private community uh, that was situated around a lake um, near Hazleton, Pennsylvania. It was It's called Beach Mountain Lakes. And uh, he wanted to fish, not in the lake, but there was a pond off the lake. He wanted to fish there, and somehow his mom had gotten permission uh, from somebody that she knew that lived there to uh, for him to go fishing there. So he called me up uh, one day. Uh, I was about I was twenty five years old at the time, and we he asked if I wanted to go fishing with him, uh, evening fishing at this place. And I was like, yeah, why not? So. Yeah, he picked me up later on that day in his uh, pickup truck he had, and uh, we we it was like toward the evening. It was like four thirty, five o'clock around that time. We I remember we we stopped at a Walmart that day. It was actually the first time I was ever in a Walmart to get fishing uh, bait and and you know drinks and snacks and stuff. And then we proceeded to go to Beach Mountain Lakes, and there you know to get into this place, there's a, a guard shack because again it's a private community. And he talked to the guard. The guard let us in. And uh, we proceeded to go to this little pond, and we were fishing there for uh, several hours. It was probably around 10 o'clock at night. I turned around to get something out of the tackle box, and uh, behind the the pond was, uh, we were basically fishing on the shore of this pond. And I turned around to get something out of the uh, tackle box, and behind me was like an, an open field with like tall grass, and on the perimeter was a forest. And I saw these three giant lights shining through the trees uh, at the one edge of the uh, part of the forest where near where where there's a clearing, and the, and they were lights were moving toward the clearing. And I said to my you know friends, uh, hey, you know what the hell's that? Right? And he's there. I don't know. Right? And then these this big object that was as big as a house. Right? No sound at all. It came. It it just came right toward our position. It was only. T- two and a half stories off the ground and this thing was big it had three giant like like incredibly big headlights i would i would call them right on the front of this thing and uh lined up uh horizontally and it came right to where our position was and he he was actually standing just about underneath the thing at one point and he had a flashlight and he was shining it on the on the belly of this thing and this thing was only like maybe 10 to 20 feet it came to a stop like 10 to 20 feet to where my position was 
right? Stopped for a few seconds, just hung there in midair, and he's shining a flashlight. I was like, let's get the hell out of here, right? So we threw all the stuff in the back of his pickup truck and like drove like maniacs out of there. And uh, at one point, we're driving on this dirt road. We had to stop because there was like 20 to tw- at least 20 deer we had to wait that were running away from the direction this object went. Well, what happened was the object, when it came, it stopped in front of us and then it started moving backward in a different direction toward where the forest was. And and then we had to basically drive near into that forest where it was where it had disappeared at where it was uh, hovering over at this point, uh, and it was just and we again these deer were running away from the direction where that thing was at, and then we got out of there and you know but it was just an amazing event and so to me that's a close encounter of the first kind I mean it was definitely within less than five hundred feet. Uh, now he had a better look at it. He said it was saucer shaped. The lights were always in front of me at that. So I couldn't tell exactly what the shape of the object was uh, myself, but he was in a different spot where he saw that it was saucer shaped. Okay. Uh, close encounters of the second kind. This is a UFO event in which a physical effect is alleged. This can be interference in the functioning of a vehicle or electronic device animals reacting a physiological effect such as paralysis or heat and discomfort in the witness or some physical trace like impressions in the ground scorched or otherwise affected vegetation or a chemical trace well i guess i guess in a way you could say i mean i'm not i can't say with certainty that the deer at the night that when i had that when when i had my close encounter of the first kind were reacting to this thing i, I don't know that i mean they could have just you know deer you know, will, will do deer things you know they'll run across roads uh so i can't really say that so I, i'll still stick with the first kind just to be on the safe side however the second kind would be like when they leave marks on the ground i mean this there was a guy he's uh he's passed on in recent years ted phillips he he spent years uh studying uh you know trace evidence from landings uh thousands of different cases all over the place and you know vegetation would be would be burned not only that but the but soil would be devoid of of uh try it would be devoid of any kind of uh moisture and and you wouldn't be able to use it for for planting anything anymore uh there was a lot of different kinds of effects it would have now the other thing is too sometimes some people uh Another would be like if a flying saucer is hovering over your vehicle and it, and it and 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 it, your vehicle conks out. Okay, that that could be that would fall under the close encounter of the second kind. Uh, of course, close encounters of the third kind, which of course the famous movie uh, made by Steven Spielberg uh, that was released in 1977 was titled. Uh, that's when UFO encounters in which an animated entity is present. These include humanoids, robots, and humans who seem to be occupants or pilots of a UFO. Um, and now, uh, that happens too. I mean, that's like, I, I would say like the uh, one of the famous cases with regard to that would be uh, um, like the Father Gill incident uh, from 1958 and 59, or for, excuse me, 1959. Uh, according to Heineck, uh, you know, it fought, uh, in, in April of 1959, Father, this, this uh, uh, Father William Gill, uh, he was uh, an Anglican priest uh, uh, with a mission in uh, New Guinea, and he observed the UFO uh, on several nights, and he also had a lot of witnesses. There was like over 30 people that were witnesses to this. And not only did he see UFOs, he saw the occupants you know, on the UFO. They're standing on top of this thing. Um, 
And, and on the first, the first sighting, Father Gill wrote, wrote to one of his friends, and this is what he wrote to him. He said, I do not doubt the existence of these things. Indeed, I cannot now that I have seen one for myself. But my simple mind still requires scientific evidence before I can accept the from outer space theory. I am inclined to believe that probably many UFOs are more likely some form of electric phenomena or perhaps something brought about by the atom bomb explosions, etc., that Stephen should actually make out a saucer could be the work of the unconscious mind, as it is very likely that at some time he has seen illustrations of some kind in a magazine, or it is very possible that saucers do exist, but it is only a 50-50 chance that they are not Earth-made. I'll st- still less than they should carry, still less that they should carry men, more likely radio control, and it is still unproven that they are solids. It is all too difficult to understand for me. I prefer to wait for some bright boy to catch one to be exhibited in Martin Square. But that was only the beginning for him. Then they, these things came back at about 6.45 on June 26th. And this was, he was talking about an incident that, uh, that was on uh, June, <clears throat> on April 5th. But on uh, at, at 6.45 on June 26th, Father Gill saw a bright li- white light to the northwest. As 38 people on, on at the mission watched, a four-legged disc-shaped object that was approximately the size of five full moons lined up end-to-end hovered over the mission. On top of the object, they saw four human-like figures that appeared to be performing some sort of task. At times, one or more of the figures would vanish from sight only to reappear a few minutes later. At regular intervals, a beam of blue light shone upwards from the center of the craft. The object was visible until about 7.30 when it ascended into the clouds and vanished. At about 8.30, several smaller objects appeared in the sky, and at 8.50, the first object returned. The four-hour sighting lasted until 10.50 when clouds moved in and blocked the view. Father Gill prepared a written report of the sighting, and 25 witnesses signed it. The next day, the large object with people on board and two other smaller objects returned at about 6 p.m. Father, Descri- Father Gill described it thus. On the large one, two of the figures seemed to be doing something near the center of the deck. They were occasionally bending over and raising their arms as though adjusting or setting up something. One figure seemed to be standing, looking down at us. Father Gill raised his arm and waved to the figure. To our surprise, the figure did the same. Uh, one of the people that were there, Aeneas, waved both arms over his head. Then the two outside figures did the same. Aeneas and, and myself began waving our arms, and all four seemed to wave back. There seemed no doubt that our movements were answered. There was more waving and signaling with torches with responses to the UFO. At 6.30, Father Gill went to dinner, at, at, but at 7, the object was still there, only smaller, as if it had moved further away. When Father Gill checked again after church at 7.45, the sky was cloudy and they were gone. Uh, and then they made a final appearance on the final night, uh, the next night, on, uh, and, and that was the last time he saw them. But again, that, that, I think that would most likely classify as a close encounter to third kind, or it could actually be argued, right? It could be argued that it could be a close encounter of the fifth kind, which we'll get into later on, which was, uh, it's a UFO event where you're claiming direct communication between aliens and, and humans, uh is that what it was i you know it could be they were waving back and forth i mean is, i guess that's communication right now there are different to, regard with regard to close encounters of the third kind uh, uh another ufo researcher ted blocher he proposed six subtypes that should go along with it um you know you you see you know it says encounter you know basically the main uh uh you know the 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 main uh 
assertion of close encounters of the third kind is that ufo encounters in, in which an animated entity is present these include humanoids robots and humans who seem to be occupants or pilots of a ufo so but ted blocher thought that needed to be uh you know you needed need a little bit more explanation than just that so he had this different subtypes of, of close encounters of the third kind a which is a board that's an entity is observed only inside the ufo b both an entity is, is observed inside and outside the ufo c close an entity is observed near to a UFO, but not going in or out. D, direct. An entity is observed. No UFOs are seen by the observer, but UFO activity has been reported in the area at about the same time. E, excluded. An entity is, is observed, but no UFOs are seen and no UFO activity has been reported in the area at the time. Or F, frequency. No entity or UFOs are observed, but the subject experiences some sort of intelligent communication. I want to go through some of these. Now, of course, Close Encounters of the Third Kind could also, uh, that would also be like uh, what happened with the New Mexico uh, uh, police officer Lonnie Zamora back in 1964 when he saw a landed craft with two two humanoid beings. So she, she, these diminutive looking humanoids, you know, walking around this egg-shaped craft and then they got in the thing and then they took off. So that would be a Close Encounter of the Third Kind too. Um now, I, I actually believe I had a close encounter of the, th- of the third kind in 1977, when, uh, and it would be under the subtype E, excluded. An entity is observed, but no UFOs are seen, and no UFO te- activity has been reported in the area at that time. That's, that was, I, I told this story on different podcasts where I'd, I woke up in the middle of the night when I was a kid. I was uh, 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 eight going on nine, and uh, <clears throat> there was a, uh, something in the room i i had a i i now all i can say is i you know i slept in an attic at the time my my other one of my brothers slept on the other side i slept on the one side he slept on the other side and uh i woke up in the middle of the night you know the light was on in the room uh we usually a lot of times we leave the light on you know all night long and so i had this thin blue blanket over my head it was in the summertime and uh, I could hear this humming sound, this electronic humming sound, very strange. And meanwhile, I could see the shadow of an arm that had three fingers. I could only see three digits. They were they were thick fing- thick thick fingers on a small arm, uh, with that came and the fingers came to almost points. And I could see the hand this this arm getting close to where my head was, and then the shadow of it through this thin blue blanket that I had over my head, getting closer and further away to you know to where my head was. And this whole thing lasted for 20 minutes. I was I was scared out of my mind. I thought it was a devil. I had no idea at the time that it was that there was a such thing as alien abduction or anything like that. Um, you know, I was you know uh, an altar boy at the local church. You know, I, and as far as I could tell, this thing was a demon out of hell. I, that's a, the, the extent of my imagination uh, w- would allow. So, but I mean, I'm trying to talk with you. Know, who's there? You know, what's going on? And this thing just kept on, you know, doing this. You know, with the, with the three fingers getting closer to my head and then further away. And meanwhile, there's this weird electronic humming sound, something I've never heard before or since. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, at one point, I peeked out of the blanket in the direction over my on the other side of the room, away from where the creature was, whatever it was to where my brother Dave was on the other side of the room sleeping. I could see him sleeping. He was actually facing to me. I'm, I start yelling my head off, and he's just not waking up. And, of course, then I start, I was really terrified. I start ca- calling for my mom and dad. You know, nobody's coming. Then I just start, you know, saying my prayers, closing my eyes. I'd open them back up again. The thing was still there. And this, this went on like for like a 20-minute, you know, at least 20 minutes, I would say. 
Next thing I know, I was, I, I must have fell asleep somehow. That's all I, that's all I know. And then the next day, you know, I remember, you know, it was like nine, ten o'clock in the morning. I'm running downstairs and telling my mom what happened. She doesn't believe me, saying it's just a dream. I realized that nobody's going to believe me. I waited. My dad got home from work. I told him, oh, it's just a dream. It wasn't a dream. It was not a dream. This was whatever was. There was something in the room that night, right? That was not human. I, I could tell you right now, this, the 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 shadow, the silhouette of whatever the art this thing was was attached. If I would have pulled down the blanket and looked at it, I, I you know I wish I would have in a way. Maybe I did, and I don't remember. I don't think I did though, because there was no way I felt like I was going to do that. I didn't want to see what what was a what kind of face was attached to that you know to that arm. You know, I, again, I was thinking it was a demon. It wasn't until like ten years later, you know, when I saw some show on TV about alien abduction. You know, maybe even more than 10 years, I would say, where I put two and two together. It's like, ah, that's what it was. So I think the, I think I came in contact. I So I think I also had a close encounter of the third kind. And then in 2007, I had a different kind of an encounter that invo- involved one of my, when I was living in Hawaii. I lived in Hawaii for over two years and uh, on the big island. And uh, I lived in a house in the middle of nowhere by all by itself in this tropical rainforest uh the house was built on stilts you could walk underneath it because you know sometimes the the rain would be incredible you know the flooding um and you know it was a bright day like uh so it was you know i say late in the morning close to noon maybe i went out i had the way you had to cut the grass there you couldn't use a lawnmower you had to um use a weed whacker because it was like the rough terrain it was all lava rock but all around my property was this really dense but low to the ground vegetation like jungle right but it was loaded you could see right over it right but anyway uh, around my right around my house i would have to cut these weeds that would be growing up every now you know every once in a while or it would get like you know you know on the perimeter of the house so i went out there and i had i just i just gotten this new dog recently it was a, i only had it for a month or two her name was goldie and um uh, and I, she was really wild. I, I, you know, I, you know, it was really hard for, you know, a hard time trying to, to, to uh, tame this dog at the, you know, at the time. Um, uh, but I, I, when I would go out to cut the grass, I had to bring her out or she would tear the house up while I was like, while I was outside. So I would have to bring her out and I brought her outside with me and I, and I had a long chain and I, you know, I hooked the chain onto her collar and then i got the other part of it and i wrapped it around one of the posts that hold the house up and clicked it together you know into one of the links so i started cutting the uh weeds with the weed whacker and the dog's going crazy and uh you know she's barking and everything and she eventually i i thought that she just broke the chain because i turned around at one point and she was just gone she was disappeared she had disappeared. She was gone. The chain was gone. She was gone. So I figured she broke the chain. She was just all f- afraid of the sound of the weed whacker, and she took off. And then I, uh, I, I searched the whole area, the whole property, looking for the dog. And then I walked. There was a dirt road that led to my house. I walked down to the dirt road, calling for her. Couldn't find her. She would, you know, nothing was happening. And then uh, <clears throat> I, I actually got. I was actually became concerned, thinking, well, maybe she took took all the way off down to the highway was several miles away. I was thinking maybe she ran all the way down there with this chain on, and maybe somebody picked her up or something and took her to the to the uh, to the uh, shelter. So I actually drove to the shelter and asked if if, if there's somebody you know you know brought a dog in. I gave gave the description of this dog. Uh, she was a, a she was a pretty big dog, but she you know but I, I'm not sure what she she was told like uh, what you know she was a mix of. I know that part of it was uh, Jack Russell Terrier, 
And I'm not sure what the other part was. The other part made her pretty, like, she wasn't like a short, small Jack Russell Terrier like Jack Russell Terriers usually are. She was a pretty big, pretty big dog. But I, they didn't have her, so then I went back to the house. And then two and a half hours have gone by. This dog just, you know, I can't find her. I'm, I'm looking in the perimeter through all that jungle. I can't find her. I, eventually, all of a sudden, I, I sit down. I just gave up. And I, I sat down on the steps and next day, right when I sat down, I'm looking, I'm looking into the, into the brush, you know, the, the, the dense brush across, across from me. And all of a sudden the dog just rises out of the brush. And it's like, she was there all the time. I, in an area where I had looked like it three or four times just before, and she wasn't there, but she, you know, and she rose up and, and, and amazingly the chain was still stuck to her. I still didn't think anything odd about it. But then when she came out, I saw that the other end of the chain, the one where I had put the loop around the the tire to the post it was still in the loop it didn't make any sense right like how's that possible i mean she there was no space on what you know on the on the post for that to slip through that's it i went to each like i actually checked out every possible post that i could have tied it to to make sure there was no space and at the time i didn't even i didn't think aliens for a, for a while on that one it actually i came to the conclusion later on like Maybe a year later, uh, or two years. I don't know. It was, it was a while later. Like I, at first, I just couldn't explain. It. I was thinking, is there a ghost or something that did something like this? Like I, I couldn't figure it out. But I think now, looking back at it, what made me actually think of uh, it was actually you know when I saw stuff about when I, when I read things about Skinwalker Ranch and some of the weird kind of poltergeist things that would happen there. That's when I that's when I realized it was probably extraterrestrials because that that made more sense to me then. It's like, okay, was the dog abducted for some reason? Did they put an implant in the dog or were they just playing games? I don't know, but I believe it had to be extraterrestrial. I don't know how else the dog could have disappeared and then reappeared like that. I mean, I, again, I wouldn't have thought anything of this, but the, the problem was was that the, the other end of that chain was still hooked into a into one of the links. Like, like it was still in that, the loop was still intact and that was impossible. That's impossible. How could that have happened? I mean, and you have to understand where I lived too. I mean, there was nobody there. I lived in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there was no nobody there. I mean, for miles. Okay. And uh, so I, you know, I don't know what to say. And again, this happened in broad daylight. The sun shining. It was a beautiful day. And, you know, the, the, dog, the dog disappeared and then reappeared magically two and a half hours later. But yeah, uh, so I would say that that would fall under close encounter of the third kind uh, under, um, I would say, frequency, where it says no entity or UFOs are observed, but the subject experiences some sort of intelligent communication. And I say this because, you know, it was communicated to me that day that something did so i mean even though no i didn't hear any voices or anything like that there was some communication and that communication being hey look what we were able to do you know look what we can do you didn't even know we didn't see us we did it we were invisible to you you had no idea what just happened and and so i would say that that would fall under close encounters with the third kind in the subsection of f under frequency and i think my the experience of when I was a kid where an entity is observed would fall under excluded. Okay, now Heineck, he stopped at, at, at the close encounters of the third kind, but other ufologists expanded it uh, to a fourth kind and a fifth kind. The four, close encounters of the fourth kind is uh, a UFO event in which a human is abducted by a UFO or its occupant. Uh, this type was not included in Heineck's original close encounters scale. Of course, I mean, we hear stories all the time, people abducted by aliens. 
I mean, how many different cases? There's a lot of cases where we don't know the names of people. They're, it's described in different books that have been written by researchers, researchers like Bud Hopkins or um, uh, David M. Jacobs have talked about. They, they, they've met with many people. They don't give out their full name, but they've dealt with people who are normal people and are abducted by aliens seemingly on a regular basis, usually from when they're kids all the way into their adult life. And then finally, there's close encounters of the fifth kind. A close encounter of the fifth kind is a UFO event claiming direct communication between aliens and humans, which again, I said earlier, maybe the Father Gill one does fall into the fifth kind because they were waving back and forth. But I think even a better example of this would be the uh, September 1994 Ariel School incident in, that happened in Zimbabwe where there was uh, over 60 kids saw, you know, in the morning, late morning, saw a UFO basically landing, uh, saw alien beings, and one of the alien beings was communicating directly with some of these children um, telepathically. That's, you know, they weren't abducted, but but they worked. There was, you know, a, there was a UFO event, there were alien beings, and there was direct communication between the alien beings and the humans. So that's a close encounter of the fifth kind. And, you know, I'd like to hear from more people out there. You know, I've been doing this podcast for a long time now, um, for well over a year, I would say. I'm not sure exactly how long it's been, but I know it's been over a year. I'd like to hear from more people about these. I, I want to talk to people. I want to talk to people who've met these things face to face. I want to know, you know, I want to hear from people like that. That's what I want. I want to, I want to hear, you know, in the comment sections of these, you know, on my YouTube channel. Uh, I want to hear from people who've come in contact with, with alien beings. It's time that there's no reason to be, there's no reason to be afraid about talking about this anymore. It, it, it's real, right? We got to begin to just accept this here. It doesn't matter what the bunkers say or, you know, there's no, it's, it's something that's, it's reality. You know, I, I want to know what's it like to stand and face to face looking at one of these things. I'm really interested. I mean, you hear people talking about it, like, you know, you, you never, there, there has to be more to it though. I mean, you know, what is it like, you know, looking at the face of something that you know is, is an intelligent being, but it's not human and it's staring you right in the face. You know, I want to hear more like stories like that. I want to hear what those experiences like. People shouldn't be afraid to talk about it. You know, some people aren't. Some people do come forward, and uh, and even some of the and some of the people that do come forward are still there. They, they you know they're afraid of the stigma. You know that's going to get attached to them, but uh, they'll they'll do it anyway. They they feel it's important enough to come forward. I think everybody they, should, they shouldn't be worried about stigma anymore. Let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about what kind of close encounters did you have? Did you have you know close? I want to hear was there you know did any anybody have a close encounter of the second kind where you actually saw an object or, or you know and landed or did you see a humanoid standing nearby like a, a close encounter or was you know in a close encounter of the third kind? I want to hear more stories like this. You know, people. I think there's a lot of people out there that are just afraid that 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 did have experiences and they're afraid to come forth uh, and share the share what share their stories. Um, you know, maybe the, maybe more people were open about it. You know, more people. If more people weren't afraid about the stigma, uh, we you know we'd have more answers. You know, maybe there's some people out there that actually know something that the rest of us don't. You know, I'd like to hear from them. You know. Anyway, thanks for listening.